Welcome to the Revenue Engine Podcast. I'm your host, Rosalind Santa Elena, and I am thrilled to bring you the most inspirational stories from revenue generators, innovators, and disruptors, revenue leaders in sales, in marketing, and of course, in operations. Together, we will unpack everything that optimizes and powers the revenue engine. Are you ready? Let's get to it. With an engineering background and extensive experience in sales and marketing, A.L. Argyll is in a unique situation of understanding both the technical and the business aspect of sales technology. A.L. is the co-founder and CRO of DealHub.io, the revenue amplification platform, providing a complete and connected revenue workflow from CPQ to CLM to proposals, subscriptions, all the way through document signature. In this episode of the Revenue Engine podcast, AL shares how the idea for DealHub.io came about, what has helped them be successful in accelerating revenue growth, and how to put customers first. He also shares how designing a solution for salespeople with the salesperson in mind helps to not only drive usage and adoption, but helps realize the full value of the solution. Please take a listen, and you'll also hear what Ayel is seeing in terms of trends with my favorite topic, revenue operations. So super excited to be here with Ayel Orgel, the co-founder and CRO of DealHub IO. For those of you who may not be familiar with DealHub, DealHub is the revenue amplification platform providing a complete and connected revenue workflow from CPQ to CLM to proposals, subscriptions, and through document signature. So welcome, Al, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Super excited to to talk to you. Um, Let's talk a little bit first about your career journey. So you've been in a number of different revenue roles um, and a number of different companies before DealHub. So can you share a little bit about your background and maybe your career journey prior to DealHub? Yeah, well, I started off uh, straight out of university uh, after studying engineering and realizing that wasn't for me. So I said, let's go try this thing called sales. Had no no idea what that meant. That looked like it was good. HP at the time was a pretty well, it was a good brand and all that. And they accepted me and I started working in sales for a few years and then just decided uh, I wanted a bit of a change. Wasn't quite sure what I wanted, travel a little bit and all that. So made a little bit of a change. Um, and then where I'm based today in Israel, I made a, my way over here. I was living in Canada at the time. The weather was good. Started looking for different ways to what to do. So went into some pre-sales and some sales and some business development. And this was a, the tech boom back in the early 90s, mid or mid-90s probably, I should say. So uh, it was just a really exciting time. Also changing company was kind of interesting, learning all kinds of new things. Um, and like I said, doing different things from sales to marketing to pre-sales to business development, really getting a rounded view of both the customers and what happens in the organizations. And that probably set the stage at some point later in life, thinking maybe start a company. Though it wasn't my idea, we'll probably talk about that to actually start the company, but it just got <laughs> me interested in knowing different areas about the company and companies in general, how they work, and uh, just sort of molded me into wanting to really be part of all kinds of different things in an organization. 
It's really interesting to have sort of the engineering. I've actually talked to a few folks who've had the engineering background and kind of moved into sales. It gives you a really good blend of experience, right? That technical expertise, but also having that sort of customer facing aspect of it and the sort of the the background and the experience for sales is a totally different, um, totally different animal. It definitely gives you a new background. It's, uh, what's interesting is you can understand what the engineers are saying. They usually <laughs> cringe when I'm on calls with the engineers and I'll interpret what they're saying into something that's not quite right, which sounds good, at least on the sales side, but it has some truth to it. So it sometimes makes it a little interesting. Like I said, sometimes they hate me in the R&D side, but it definitely gives you the ability to understand the customers and some of what the internal people are saying. Yeah, love it, love it. So businesses um, are often founded on solving a problem. Right. I think when you and your co-founders launched DealHub.io in 2014, I believe it was 2014, what was the vision for the company? And was there like an aha moment that led to the company? Um, basically, I was approached by one of, uh, one of my partners who said, I've got an idea. Let's go have a cup of coffee. And it took a couple times to go out for coffee where he said, I've got this really great idea. Let's go create proposals. And I'm like, what are you talking about? 20 years ago, I was creating proposals. Like, what is, <laughs> what's so new about it? And he started talking to me about his idea. And it wasn't, it was, I guess it was his aha moment or, you know, from his background, but it was at a certain point, it was aha. It was like, wow, all the things that I've always wanted to do, this really sort of puts it together. You know, still took me a while to understand the idea. And we started to expand on, there was a lot of coffee in the early days. It was, it was much more to do to sit and make presentations, <laughs> drink a lot of coffee and talk about what you wanted to do. But it was, um, I think the aha came at while we were going through expanding on the idea and, and starting to talk about our experiences um, from product side or from sales side and marketing and what people were looking for. And the aha sort of came into where we wanted to go, but also being very practical into what we want to start with. Where should we start? Where should we go from there? So it was, uh, it was a really interesting um, experience uh, going through those early days. It's amazing. So how has sort of, I mean, you, you mentioned it started with proposals, but how has that sort of changed, right? How has the vision for the company evolved and changed over time? Well, basically where today, as you mentioned in, in the intro, today where the solution actually encompasses a lot of different capabilities from CPQ, proposal generation, uh, to contract management, to dealing with subscriptions and closing things off in e-signature, everything is tied together. Uh, we basically sort of looked, you know, once we started getting this, the, the company going and the solution going, you started looking at uh, a lot of these things are, are intertwined and you're doing them at the same time. If I'm building out a proposal, well, you're building out a contract as part of that, whether you as the salesperson are doing that or that you're bringing in the legal team to do that. And sometimes why are you bringing in the legal team to do that when the salesperson could do it? It's the same thing over and over again. So we started, you know, from talking to customers when we were selling the solution, you know, what areas do you have? What pains do you have? We started listening to them. everybody that was doing quotes was also looking at a at a contract solution. Now, it might have been a different team, but they're looking at this. And we started saying, you know, why can't all these things be done? And I think one of the really interesting things we did when we put together our initial solution, just looking at, at the quoting and the way we put it together, is that we put an engine behind it, that it's a logic engine, that it doesn't really matter if you're building out a proposal or how do you configure a product and put the right pricing to it. And how do you put the right contract terms together? So all of a sudden that logic, it's intertwined. It's the same kind of logic. You know, I like to say it, it's if, then, and, or. That's all salespeople are doing in their minds. We're simple people. We're just going through a process <laughs> and someone told us how to do it. Yeah. And that logic can be put in to do other things and not just doing the proposal, those other aspects within the organization. Of course, other capabilities around the system. You know, obviously you're doing something. 
Uh, you want to put some limits around that or guardrails so a salesperson can't do anything or under certain conditions they can do certain things. Just like you build a product. Sometimes a product can have different options. Sometimes a contract can have different options with it. And obviously there at a later stage, you need to have that approved by somebody. So it all of a sudden, that was more of an aha moment when we started looking after things were already going and the company was already running, that where we could add in other capabilities as part of that same um, sales flow. And then when we took it to customers and we started talking about that, it was like, well, yeah, we have three different solutions today to do that. And that would be really interesting if one could do it. We don't have to go through different solutions. So it all sort of, as we came, as we started hearing from customers and seeing what they were doing and asking the right questions and coming back to them and checking it with them and being able to really quickly iterate and provide them some solutions that they could look at, um, it really got things going and that really set the stage for, you know, for where the solution is today and where we're taking it for the future. That's amazing. Yeah, I love the, I love the comment about the guardrails and sort of what they can do and can't do. <laughs> it's the most, to the extent that you can build out a platform to support the process. Like I said, we're salespeople and, you know, if you let a salesperson do anything that they want, they will do it. Sometimes you want them to have a lot of freedom, but sometimes you need to put a little bit of controls around that. But we've also built the solution in such a way that you can really set it up for not just for the different organizations, but for the different salespeople that are involved. Different salespeople sell differently. And you have to look at that and understand that and then put those guardrails in place so that the salespeople need a solution that will be designed for them to use. And I think that was also really key in, in what we did is we looked at the salespeople, maybe because I was one of the founders and I'm come, coming from a lot more of a sales background. It's like, if I'm not comfortable with the solution, then other people in my situation are not going to be comfortable with it. And it really was important to make sure that it's a tool, a solution that the salespeople want to use. And I think that's the key to all the different software solutions that are out there for salespeople. If they don't use it, if they don't get the value from it, if it's not easy for them to live, if you had to train a salesperson for hours, they're going to fall asleep. You know, if you <laughs> put limit too many limits on them, they're going to drop it. So all those things have to be taken into account and we leave it up to the organization. Obviously we can provide them today a lot of best practices when we come to them, but you really have to give them the ability to let salespeople do what they want in a way that they want, but then put those guardrails in place where needed. And that's where you start to see the value then. It's when they adopt it, when there's a high adoption, uh, then all the rest of the value flows through through the rest of the uh, processes that you have after that. Yep, yep, 100%, 100%. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about the revenue process. You know, I think for all of us, the revenue process has just become increasingly complex, right? Especially, you know, as buyers, we're expecting a frictionless, seamless experience, right? How, how have you seen sort of this evolve over the past, you know, say, three to five years, or even through, you know, all of the challenges of last year? Um, I think if we look, first of all, last year for, for DealHub, we actually had uh, a really good year. Uh, obviously, it was, a, it was a terrible time that we've all gone through. So not to, to you know, change that or say anything bad about, or different about that. But it's we had a solution that really fit the times uh, with people working remotely, but having that ability to provide uh, that the sales team, the salespeople can do certain things on their own. They can collaborate with the other team members, which may be remotely with their management, with the legal team, with the finance team. They could collaborate with them. And then they could collaborate with the customers at the same time sort of things. So we provided the ability where they can go and engage with the customers in a much better way. So once you've done all that capability, now let's put the, the, the information in front of them in a way that they can consume it and then also start to understand what's happening. I think what's really changed is to really 
understand the customer. And I think where the solution, you know, on the revenue side is you really want to start under, or not start, you want to more and more understand what the, where the customer's at. And I think last year sort of jumped us ahead a number of years. I think most people will say in terms of the remote working that all of a sudden we're no longer sitting in front of the customer. We're sitting in front of a Zoom session or some other means. Uh, we're not able to go always not everybody turns off their turns on their camera. We're all tended to be, as I said, we're all in our pajamas in our <laughs> bedrooms, you know, so we don't want to turn on the camera. So we don't see the person we're sitting next to or across from, and we don't see their reaction to things. So how do we start to understand where they are? So it was really, uh, it, it came in, out in two processes of really understanding what needs to go out to the customer. Mm -hmm. And then how do you see the engagement of the customer and the reaction? And how do you go based off of that where the world changed all of a sudden salespeople were faced with a different environment. Now, a lot of us, uh, you know, we're selling maybe beforehand in a remote way, but not everybody, the world's really changed. It's not gonna go back to what it was, even though things are great and are starting to open up, it's not gonna go back to that fully. People still have to have that ability to engage remotely, provide their customers with the right information at the right time and be able to understand them as well, gain those insights and really start to understand what they're doing. So I think the revenue side that really looked at that as well is, is when you're provide those tools for the salespeople, the ability for the salespeople to go and engage with the way that the customer is now wanting to interact, but give them all that guidance that they need, give them all the insights that they need to understand what's happening as part of that remote process. So that was really a big change that we saw. Like I said, DealHub was already going in that direction. It just so happened uh, last year accelerated it all, but um, it's really the way I think people are going to go anyways. We're doing a lot more things, uh, you know, remotely anyways, but it'll, it'll stay that way for a while or maybe forever now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's definitely accelerated a lot of a lot of that, and I think taught us that you you can sell remotely and people can be productive, you know, from their homes or from wherever they're working. Um, but definitely was a big big shift. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Deal Hub. I know Deal Hub IO has been recognized by G two. I saw on the top fifty for best products for sales. So congratulations, as well as the top 100 for highest satisfaction. And I always look at G2 as, you know, really great recognition, right? Because it comes directly from the actual users. So I want to talk both about the product and the satisfaction side. So let's start with best product. Like what is your philosophy around product development and how has your product differentiation really helped in accelerating your revenue growth? Um, I think as I, I sort of mentioned before, one of the most important things I think we did is really look at the salesperson's experience. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to go and say, let's do a solution. And you can, you know, think of a lot of ideas uh, and they can be great ideas, but if they don't get used, there's absolutely no value throughout the organization. And if you're talking about building quotes or contracts at the end, it goes back to some sort of repository or back to your CRM or somewhere where someone's looking at it, someone's analyzing it. You know, the revenue team is looking at that. That information is not going to get back or it's not going to be accurate. Or it's not going to be useful if the salesperson who starts off the process is not utilizing the solution. Uh, and to do that, they need to gain value out of it, too. Uh, mm -hmm. CRM is one of our greatest sales tools that we have. But it's also probably the most liked and the most hated tool at the same time because, you know, it obviously depends on how things are implemented. But it's never going to be to the liking of everybody and it's never going to be um you know, doing everything exactly the way that you want it. Operations built it to do certain things and, you know, sales has to do certain things that they're not happy to do. You know, I always sort of talk about our solution as well. And I tell us to our customers when we come in to do configurations, we need to think about your best salespeople because they've got a process that works and we can't frustrate them and they've got to work. But we've also got to think about the big complainers on the team and everybody, they all start smiling <laughs> at this point. They all know who those are. You can imagine it. Operations, revenue, revenue operations people, 
all day long, what are they dealing with? Is salespeople screaming at them or management <laughs> screaming at them from the other side, senior management, you know, everything is never good enough. But when you got those salespeople always complaining, you know, how do you deal with that? You have to go and address that. And I think when we made the solution, we made it in such a way that you could address those. And I think that was probably, you know, the biggest and best decision that we made is think sales first. Yeah. Now, at the same time, while we did that, we didn't forget the other people involved. There is the sales operations, revenue operations people. They have the limits that they have to put on it. They need certain, you know, whether it's guardrails that we talked about or other elements of the solution that need to be put in place, certain governance and all that. So obviously we took uh, a look at that. And then we also took a look at the end customer experience that we talked about now, you know, a moment ago, how we go and engage with customers today as well. All three of those are key. You can't do a sales solution just looking at the salespeople, just looking at the uh, rev ops people and just looking at the uh, end customer. You have to look at all of those together. And once you put all that golden triangle of users uh, into a solution that works for everybody, all of a sudden you start to see the value. And that's really where RevAmp has come out of is to look at all that, all those different capabilities, all the different things you need to do, but do it in such a way that it makes sense to each of those different groups of users. Um, and that was probably you know, the best thing that's really been the driver of the philosophy of how we put the solution together is always think about all of those players in anything that we do. Yet at the same time, and I think as a result of that, you have to do that is keep it simple. You could get super mm -hmm. complex. Um, I have to say on the sales side, we're the simple side, but uh, uh, you have to keep it uh, simple that everybody has it. It's intuitive, it's useful, and they'll all gain the value out of it. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. And I think that sort of leads into that other question around the satisfaction, right? Having the highest satisfaction award as well, probably because you're thinking about that user experience quite a bit. Um, what are some of the things that I guess you feel that you've done right in terms of driving customer success? Right. If you think about, you know, how customer success has really contributed to, you know, retaining customers, especially in a year like last year, and then also expanding revenue within your customer base. What are some of the things that you think you've done really right there? I think we did a really good job on the customer success side. I think when a customer has a problem, whether it's a real problem or whether it's a big problem, hopefully not too many of those, but whatever their problem, it's to them, it's it's the end, well, not the end of the world, but it's, it's, it's something huge. And to have somebody there that's going to answer them right away so that when they call customer support or customer success and somebody within minutes responds to them, uh, sometimes it's just letting them know, look, I heard you. We understand. We're working on it. They just want to hear that. And you know, so many times you hear about customers that send off, you know, the general email, send it off to them. And maybe a few days later, you know, you'll get a response. We've had these responses from vendors that we use, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. At least let me know that you're doing it, but also try to re resolve the, the problem as quick as possible. And I think that's something that we've done really well. Again, it's going back to thinking of our users again. And one of those users is the people putting it together or managing it. And if there's a frustration over there, dealing with it. Sometimes issues come up. Every solution has that. But it's getting back to them, letting them know you, you hear them, but also responding as quick as possible and, and addressing it and letting them know what happened, being you know transparent with them, mm -hmm. letting them understand there's people on the other side and we know it. We didn't just sell you a solution and walked away. We're there with you. That's why our customer success people help implement the solution. It's why they support it. We're, we're invested in the success of our customer. We're not handing it off to somebody else to do that kind of support or maintenance or even implementation. We do it our own. It's always customer first thinking about them. And that feeds through the whole organization. It's always thinking about uh, the customer. I think that's been probably one of the, the best things that we've done, you know, starting from the beginning and thinking about that and always keeping that top of mind. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. Thank you for sharing that.
Um, let's switch gears a little bit to one of my favorite topics, which is revenue operations. As you know, I'm a huge champion of RevOps, you know, both the function and the people. And I'm sure you talk to many revenue operations professionals every day, right, in your business, um, being sort of one of the target yep. personas for you. And there's definitely been an increase in interest and awareness, I think, around how important operations can be. Um, are you seeing any shifts or changes in the operations space, having, you know, obviously working with the, these folks um, and revenue leaders as well, pretty much every day? Um, and if so, what are, what are you seeing sort of in terms of shifts or changes? Um, I think we're definitely seeing a trend to people telling us that They've got a lot of tools, a lot of solutions that they're using. Um, it's a lot to maintain. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of training and support that needs to go into that. And it's causes a lot of bottlenecks as well along the way when you have different processes that are not all consolidated together into one process. And they're really looking for a way to provide salespeople the ability, like I, we were talking maybe earlier, of putting together a proposal and putting that contract uh, together. They're also looking at the bottlenecks in that process. Maybe there's certain things that we can provide the salesperson to do on their own that doesn't have to go. Every time a contract term needs to change, it's the same term over and over again. Why does it have to go to legal every time? And there's a bottleneck there, especially end of quarter and quotes don't get out on time or contracts don't get closed off because they're busy with other things. So how can you consolidate those different solutions, provide the salespeople the ability to do a lot of that on their own, but give them the right guidance on how to do mm -hmm. that as well uh, so that they don't make the mistakes and maybe going back to what we talked about earlier, guardrails so that they don't go and do just anything that they want, but mm -hmm. provide them the ability to really go end to end in that sales process with fewer tools, more information about what's happening both internally as they're collaborating with their team members as well. Give them that ability within those tools if they need to, obviously legal, if you need it, you want to be able to collaborate with them. It's not just, you know, do everything on your own, but make it a very intuitive way that they can work together um, with the organization internally. So we see that a lot, like I said earlier too, you know, people are looking for proposals, they're looking for contracts at the same time, solutions that will help them with that. So there's a need out there and they really want to have things much easier, much more streamlined, but uh, I think easier is is really is the sort of thing. You know, we keep it simple. Like why do we have to get so complex with so many different solutions and, and so many different ways of doing it? Everything is, is not integrated together the one the process in a sales process flows from one step to another and if you're doing different solutions and different processes for each step there's it's not really a smooth transition you can't really understand what's happening every different tool gives you its own insights and it's telling you something differently mm -hmm. how can you get one sort of solution or, or fewer solutions that will give you those insights that information and that guidance through that process uh, to really help you end to end so you know we do see that a lot that's where the solutions really gone and developed to that direction is based off of what revenue operations are looking to is to give them a smoother, you know, I could say it again, streamline, it's kind of a cliche, but that's really what it ends up yeah. coming out to. They just want a process that's really smooth that goes through and get rid of the frustrations, just get salespeople back to what they should be doing is selling and not being stuck in all these different tools and solutions and trying to understand them, mm -hmm. uh, give them the, the method to do it, the way to go, and manage it and monitor it. And that's what they we really see 
that they they're looking for. Yeah, 100%. I think consolidation. I mean, we have such great technology out there in the industry. There's tons of great tools to do everything, but you can only manage so much, right? And to your point about trying to keep everything in sync and streamlined is really difficult if you have all these different systems and just keeping all the data flowing through the process. And yeah, as a, as a RevOps person myself, I'm really looking for consolidation as well, right? If you can find one tool that can manage, you know, three or four of your use cases and be able leverage that you're going to pick that even if it does two or three really well and maybe one not as well but instead of having to bring another tool in yeah what you end up buying a lot of times is solutions that do a whole lot of things and you use 20 percent of the power i remember years ago at companies we used you know whether it was marketo or others you know it doesn't matter which one it was but you're using 20 percent of the power of it sort of thing so there's great solutions not everybody's a power mm -hmm. user but you need different functions that you need and how do you put that all together to simplify it for the salespeople? And that's what's key. Not everything has to do everything. It needs to do what the sales, that sales organization needs or that specific sales process needs. And how do you put that together? I think that's what's yep. really key. Yep. Love that. I love that. Um, so as I think about the revenue engine in this podcast, right, I always hope that others will be able to learn how to accelerate revenue growth and really power that revenue engine. So from your perspective, like what are the top maybe two or three things that you think have really contributed to the high growth that DealHub.io has experienced? Um, I think it sounds like we've, we've talked a lot, probably a lot. I probably mentioned a lot of these things, yes, but I think, I you know, really, really, really thinking about customer first. I think that was really key. Mm -hmm. I think providing uh, a solution that offers the value without making it too difficult. I think one of the other things you get into is a lot of these solutions, you know, take months and months. You know, we talk to customers say, yeah, we're planning yeah, the solution to go live in nine months. And it's like, why aren't you thinking, you know, two months away from now, why nine months? You know, you need a solution quickly. So they need to respond quickly. And that's also not just in, in building out a solution. It's also in changes that are needed, needed later on. No organization stays still, especially today. Everybody changes their products, their pricing, their terms, whatever it may be, the way they put out their content. Marketing changes the look and feel of the company and the branding every few months. <laughs> every website changes every few months. So how do you keep pace with that? The organizations can't allow that anymore to have something that takes a long time to implement. And that's one of the things that we did as well. You know, our idea from day one was also make it a configured solution. There's no coding. So you go in there as a business person, you make the changes mm -hmm. so that if you're changing constantly, you're constantly adapting the solution to do that. So I think that was really key as well. So, you know, the simplicity for the salespeople, the easiness of going and setting things up, you know, the ability to go and engage the way that customers want to engage today um, you know, if we go home and we watch YouTube videos, why are we still sending out a PDF document that we were sending out 30 years ago? And there's nothing wrong with a PDF document, but if we want to stand out today, we want to be different. Why are we not using the media that we we consume all day long? You know, marketing's way ahead. They, you know, we've got videos on the website. We've got all this other interactive, all these, you know, great things that you can go to a website and do. But then, and sometimes it's these technology companies that are sending out a proposal and they create this stuff, but then what they're sending out to the customer is a PDF document. Okay, that's really nice. You put a nice picture here on the cover page, but it's not representing you. And I think every company wants to be represented as a modern com company. So we did that as well. Is how do we go engage with the customers? You know, that was it, it's really key. People look at the solution and say, that's where I want to be. That's where I imagine our, our company being. So you know, I think those are kind of key things that we've put into the solution looking at you know, even from day one, where is it going to go? What are people looking to do? And we constantly add to that capability is to think about all these things. Um, and I think that's really all of those things together have really contributed to people learning about DealHub and, and wanting to use DealHub and gaining value from DealHub, um, you know, through those capabilities.
It's amazing. Thank you. Um, is there anything um, that you wish you knew earlier or maybe you would do differently if you could sort of hit the reset button and do it all over again? Um, I'd probably say I wish I knew it was going to be this hard sometimes. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's anything that anybody can ever warn you about. And if there's people out there that had it easy when they put a company together, you know, hats off to you. I, I think it's a lot of work. Um <laughs> It's a lot of hours in the office. It's a lot of personal commitment. And, uh, you know, you pay a price on, on, on certain things. But um, I wish I would have known that. I don't know if I could have changed it. I don't know if it would have changed my mind. Or maybe it would have. But it, it's hard to say. I know what I know today. I didn't know it back then. Um, but that would have been great if I'd known it was going to be a rough ride just to prepare for it maybe a little bit. You know, tighten the seatbelt a little bit more. But it's like, <laughs> it's been a great ride. It's it's uh, So from that aspect, I can't complain. But it. Um, yeah, I guess that was probably me what I would That would be more. it. Yeah. Is that, would that be, um, if I asked you sort of what that one piece of advice that you would give to another CRO or founder, you know, sort of that one thing that makes all the difference, would it be that or would it be something else? I think it's probably having the right people around you. Um, as you go through that process, you're, you're spending a lot of hours with people. Um, you're doing a lot of hard work. And you've got to have the right people. And um, I think we were really lucky. We picked the right people um, early on. And, you know, the people that, that stuck through, through good times. And unfortunately, sometimes you have bad times or down times. I wouldn't say bad times, but there are down times. There's tougher times and all that. And you want the right people around you um, to deal with the customer issues or to deal with the product issues or to deal with the sales issues. And it's just... Um, you know, I'm thankful that we had the right people around. I think that's been so much, you know, there's still that core team of people. And obviously we bring on new people and, you know, it's, it's also key, obviously constantly, you're, you're always looking at bringing the right people, but early on, I think having the right people that's really helped um, get us through. That's the best advice I can, you know, think of at least to, cause it is going to be a ride and you need to, and you want to work you want to be happy <laughs> working with those people. You know, you're spending a lot of hours with them and we've had some, you know, there's heated exchanges and all that, but it's all because people are looking at, you know, for the right reason, you want it for the right reason. It's all for the best, you know, and everybody has different opinions in the end, we'll come out with a, the right thing to do. But it was, um, it's been great just having the right people from the partners to the to the workers that we have, uh, to the key people. It's that's, that's key. Got it. That's great. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm, you know, but before we, before we wrap up, and before I let you go, I always love to ask two things of all of the guests on the podcast is one, what is the one thing about you that others would be surprised to learn? And two, what is the one thing that you would want everyone to know about you? Um, well, I want everybody to know I'm a nice guy, I guess. I'm not too <laughs> business. Uh, what, they don't, what they don't know about me. Uh, I almost didn't go into this career at all. I was going to be a pilot, be in the aviation oh. space. And then uh, just didn't, you know, didn't go in that direction and went to a different direction. So that was my dream early on. And I'm not, you know, still do some things with that. But it was something that I had not planned to go in this direction to be sales. You know, I studied engineering, went to be a pilot, and all of a sudden I'm a salesperson. Um, <laughs> so that was something different. Um, yeah, I guess uh, to know about me is just, uh, you know, always I, I, I try to be honest, try to give the best that we can to the customers. I think, you know, we're real people and we work together with other real people. And I think that's really important always, you know, never to forget that it's, 
you know, other people have their issues. You have to understand that or their concerns and, and that's being part of it. So that's, uh, you know, important to, to know that you care about the other side as well. It's not just here to do business and, and build a company. You want to make sure that everybody's happy and warm. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you so much. So thank you so much, Aya, for joining me. It's been such a pleasure and to talk to you. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for your time and sharing your story. All right. I really appreciate it as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. 